Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and, and Happy New Year to everybody. As we kick, kick off this new year, we asked some very knowledgeable experts to join okay. us in a roundtable discussion of the issues and opportunities yes. facing small businesses in 2014. This year has been one of change. This past year has been one of change. And many experts think more changes are in store for us in 2014. We will talk about health care, what small business needs to do in 2014. Also on the agenda, financing op- uh, options, what are some of the practical solutions available to some of, of, to some of these challenges, and how do small businesses grow in the new year? Our panel includes William A. Cohen, author of The Practical Drucker and president of the Institute of Leader Arts, Ty Kissel, a financing expert who works with Leandro, uh, helping companies find financing, and writes for Forbes.com. Robin McLeod of the Chasworth Group, talking both about management and, and the woman's perspective. And I know we're going to get a lot on that. Mark T. Liu, nationally known marketing and growth executive. And uh, last but not least, Mike Mahoney from Go Health. Uh, welcome, every one of you, to the program. Uh, we're going to start off. I've, I've asked uh, Bill, since um, Peter Drucker always said the best way of uh, finding answers is to ask questions, what do you think a small business leader should be asking him or herself as, as we kick off 2014? Okay, Don, per your request, I'll give up my background. I'm president of the California Institute of Advanced Management out in California. We only offer one degree, the MBA, uh, in executive management and entrepreneurship. Not online, by the way. We're face-to-face, so you have to be out here to take us. Uh, my background is I'm a retired general from the Air Force. Uh, I, as I, uh, I, I president this institution, I've been involved in education for a number of years. Um, now, your questions. You know, Drucker had his five questions that a lot of folks are familiar with, you know, starting off with what is your mission, your customer, and so forth. And I guess these are good for any time, any place. But for 2014, I think if, if Peter were here now, and I was his first, by the way, executive Ph.D. student. That's where I got my doctor from the Drucker School uh, some 30 years ago. And if Peter were, and every, he said, call me Peter. So if I refer to him as Peter, I'm not being fresh or anything. That was his request. Um, if if uh, Peter were here now, I think he would really say about 2014, he'd say, what is the biggest issue that you and your small business face in 2014? That would be the first question. And by the way, this is very similar to what he asked Jack Welch, the legendary uh, CEO of uh, General Electric. And, uh, and according to Jack Welch, it caused him to make his billions during his, uh, during his tenure. He said, what is the biggest issue you face in 2014? He would then say, after you answer that, or you answer to yourself, what are, what are you going to do about it? Number. What are you going to do about that biggest issue? And a certain final question would be, okay, when do you start? He always believed in planning, of course, but he wanted to know, when do you start? 
You often said at seminars and speaking that it's great that you liked what I said, but what are you going to do about it Monday morning? So those are the three, Don, according to my, at least it's my recollection of Peter and how they performed in the classroom. Okay. Now, having said that, and since um, uh, 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 Mike, we're going to ask you to step to the floor for the first time and talk about health care, which right now seems to be on everybody's mind. Uh, what do you think uh, is going to happen in 2014, and how can small businesses uh, meet these challenges? Well, small businesses, uh, like a lot of businesses, have uh, a lot on their plate, especially a small business owner trying to accomplish a lot of things at once. So I think, unfortunately, there was a there was a mixed message about healthcare this year. Did you need to make a change? If so, by when? What were the penalties? What were the potential tax credits you could get as a small business owner by offering coverage? Because a lot of that for small business has been pushed off a year, I think I'd echo the last oh, yeah. comment by saying don't wait until the end of the year to try to make those decisions. A lot of small businesses are wiping their brow and saying, well, thank goodness we didn't have to make a change because all that sounded scary. My employees were concerned they were going to change coverage, lose coverage, maybe get better coverage. Yeah, I'll deal with that next year. I would suggest that you make those determinations February, March. Right? Start thinking about what changes you're going to put into effect uh, for the next year and then make those plan transitions so your employees feel like you're supporting them. And it also doesn't make an economic uh, impact to your business. Okay. Ty, tell us a little bit about yourself. We'll get back to Mike, but you're on the financing side. What do you see is happening? Well, this is Ty Kiesel, and I, uh, I work at Lendio. We match small business owners to financing and uh, recently wrote, because of my experience here, a book called Getting a Business Loan, Financing Your Main Street Business. And I think that... Uh, it's time, it's time to get serious about uh, job creation and when 70% of private sector jobs are created in small businesses, I think we need to come to an appreciation that small business grows on borrowed capital. Um, unless you're a sexy tech darling, you're probably not going to get the angel investment that you, re you see on the, the shark tank. And one of the biggest challenges for small business owners is finding, finding the capital they need to grow and expand and hire people. And a lot of that comes in uh, the form of financing. And unfortunately, over the last 10 or 15 years, it's been harder and harder to get a loan from the bank. And uh, that's why I wrote the book to talk about all of the other options that are available to you. And I think that in the, in the coming year, we are probably going to have to embrace that small business financing isn't what it used to be, and we need to make some adaption. Well, all right. Let's, let's move on. Um, I read a statistic where 53% of all new businesses were started by women, but by the same token, they had a greater, uh, greater difficulty finding finan financing. Um, Robin, what do you think about this, and uh, the, what's going to happen? I know uh, you're very involved in this, so the floor is yours. First, tell <laughs> us a little bit about, about yourself. 
Great. Yes, I'm Robin McLeod, and I am a principal at Chatsworth Consulting Group, and we focus on leadership development um, and providing executive coaching to both corporate executives as well as small business owners. And we do take a special interest in in women in business um, because, as you said, often women do struggle with how to get financing and how to really put themselves out there uh, and have the confidence to ask for what they need. And so that's really what, uh, what we work with to help women, uh, women executives and, and women business owners to uh, you know, be more intentional in what they want uh, and very clear about what they want and then to just go out there and ask for it. And if you get no for an answer, ask again. Yet it, it seems that um, uh, the, the studies that I've seen in the last uh, last two years, women are having more difficulty uh, finding uh, not, not only mo- money but mentors and getting credibility. Yeah. Uh, do you find that to be the uh, and the, the study that uh, uh, impelled me to uh, ask you to come on the program was one that came out recently that. Um, uh, it indicated that the uh, the rate of women-owned business failing had accelerated in 2013 and uh, might be growing in 2014. Yes, yes, that's right. And um, a lot of it also has to do with a willingness to to network, to be able to um, focus on, you know, and this is something that uh, is true for all small business owners, that often uh, the focus is so much on the business itself that they forget that a lot of the business is them. You know, they are the business. And so it's really important to be able to balance your time between focusing on the operations and the growth of the business and the day-to-day work but also to be looking externally and focus on business development and you know going being in the right places at the right time in order to connect with people who can invest in your business who can be potential clients and help you to grow and that takes time it takes planning and obviously it takes a real commitment uh, Mark Blue is on with us uh, Mark are you there yes I'm here how are you Mark, I'm good. Mark, we're talking about uh, the, oppor- the challenges and opportunities of 2014. What do you see? Uh, um, you look at uh, generally trying to grow companies. What do you see are the obstacles to growing in, in this coming year? Uh, the, the obstacles or the potential? <laughs> there's, there's both out there. Um, I, I think well, we'll take a the lot obstacles. of... We'll take the obstacles first and then the potential. Okay. The obstacles are you've got a, uh, an, an economy that is, um, and, a, and a business structure that is working against uh, quality new job creation. Uh, we still haven't resolved any kind of issues on the middle class and how to get the middle class back to where it was 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, more and more jobs are being compete, competed for with robotics, with uh, uh, massive expansion of computers, cloud sourcing, big data, all the things that we all know about. And this is working against the high-quality jobs. 
uh, it's creating a demand for very, very high quality and very highly technical skilled jobs, um, but it's pushing the job scale down rather than up. And uh, there needs to be a broadening of the middle class and an improvement in the earnings in this country if you want to improve the potentials for business in general. Uh, although the economy seems to be getting better, it's still a very skewed situation. Uh, and the vast majority of people in this country are, are not improving uh, their situation very well. People in the stock market are doing well. People who own uh, successful, bigger, niche businesses are doing well. Uh, but there still isn't enough financing. There still isn't enough uh, capability to expand uh, uh, the, the multiplication of money, the expansion of money, and the movement of money. Uh, all of these are things that work against, uh, against growth. Uh, on the other hand, we seem to be, as a country, expanding the profit margins for an awful lot of the businesses, and this means there's more money around for big business or for intermediate-sized businesses to fund growth opportunities as they see them. Uh, but they haven't been seeing them at the rate that they'd like, and they're very risk-averse so that they haven't been committing funds. But there's a gigantic amount of money sitting around looking for home. How will this affect small business? Our audience is a small business owner. Um, to, to give the, uh, our average uh, listener is 49 years of age, 59% uh, of whom are presidents and or owners. That's our average uh, listener, um, making about 100, uh, uh, declared between 100 and 120,000. Where is that, um, uh, where is the opportunity for small business in all of that? I think there's a there's a change that's coming that's going to create a fair amount of expansion, and it's uh, it's called, interestingly enough, the uh, it's under the listing of small business. Um, what do they call it? Under the the. Let's see, where is it here? I had it right here in front of me. Um, it has to do with with the uh, Regulation A filings required when you go to to, to raise money uh, for, for small business in particular. And they are now expanding that so that the, the offerings are going from very small amounts to bigger amounts, and they've expanded. The small issues used to be uh, uh, available up to $5 million, and they're now being expanded to $50 million. So, And they're trying also to revamp all the Reg A filings because the Reg A filings have not been effective for quite some time. So they're trying to make it easier, and they're trying to change all the tax policies and the state clearances so that it's easier to raise money. Okay, let's go back to Ty. Um, does that? How do you see the, all of that fitting in, Ty? You know, I think that um, you know. Granted, the SBA isn't the biggest source of financing for for small business, but I think the biggest problem that we have to face is that small businesses don't want. It's not that they want too much, it's that they don't want enough. And the, the, the small business financing infrastructure is, is geared more for bigger loans. Um, for instance, in 2012, it was $327,000 was the average 7A loan product, um, the SBA's most popular loan product. Last year, for, for 2013, it was, it was closer to 380000 
you know, we deal with what I call Main Street businesses, the dry cleaners, the, the mechanics, the grocers, the, the, you know, the local type businesses that all of us relate to. And 59% of those folks coming to Lendio are looking for $50,000 or less. And in October, the SBA did something that I thought was really great because they kind of set the tone. They reduced, they eliminated fees on loans of $150,000 or less. And I think what we need to do is we need to, we need to gear the financial industry to deal with ten, twenty-five, thirty thousand dollar loans because that's really what the small businesses we're talking about are looking for. Um, that's also the reason why so many alternative lenders have come into the space to, to fill the niche needs because the, their bread and butter is that $20,000 small business loan, whether it's a, a, a factor or a merchant cash advance or whatever. And I, I think that we need, to, we need to recognize that not all small businesses are the same. Uh, Karen Mills, the former director of the SBA, said this all the time. You've got independent contractors, you've got small Main Street businesses, and then you've got the software company with 250 employees that's doing $30 million a year are all considered small businesses. And I think that's, that's a challenge that we need to address. Main Street is where we create the most jobs, and we need to, we need to gear up the financial machine to, to actually help those folks and that's one of the reasons I've been writing the things I've been writing is they have options. Uh, I think it's like 10% of the people that go into the bank um, walk away with a loan. And without that financing, no one's going to grow. We're not going to hire people. We're going to continue to have the unemployment rate as, as high as it is. And I think that's a big problem for 2014 if we can't solve it. Well, let's let's go to that issue. Um, Obamacare uh, almost uh, makes it uh, uneconomical to hire that 50th employee. Um, I'll throw the question out of it to anybody, but do you think that's that's going to uh, hold down employment in 2014? Does anybody want to comment? Sure, I'll comment. Uh, this is Bill Cohen. Uh, we do consulting, by the way, and I should say, give my small business background. I have a, a book on small business I wrote some years ago in its fourth edition, and uh, we do consulting. Our students have to do real consulting pro bono for for 90% of the companies are, are small business companies. And there's no question Obamacare or, or some of the other factors the government have done do not work well and do not help small business at all. But the way we look at it is these are the environmental challenges that any small business guy has to face and has to overcome someone. So it's not helpful at all. I don't know that we can do much about it except through our congressmen or whatever and trying to uh, change the law. But as far as being small business, we have to learn how to cope with these different environmental challenges and say, okay, this is the way things are. What can, we can't do much about it as the law exists. What can we do to go around that? And what can we do to, uh, to, to, uh, to prosper in spite of this? And so I think this is really, and I guess this is a Drucker thing too. I mean, my school is really focused on uh, teaching Drucker. Is it, it, you know, you've got reality that you face, and it's not a very pleasant reality in some cases, but you can prosper. 
And uh, even if you go to the, de- the Great Depression, I mean, there were many small businesses that started then that grew into very large ones. The so- you know, the soap business, for, not for example, because they took advantage of technology with the radio. And there's other things, too. I mean, we can do things if we find these niches that are uh, still profitable and ways to get around them and way to get ways to get around such, a, such rules that come out of Obamacare or any other regulation that comes out. Well, that's a great answer. But, Mike, what are you seeing? Um, uh, our, our studies show that uh, a lot of companies, well, they kick the can down the, the, uh, the street, uh, the street uh, on uh, employee mandate, but what are you seeing in terms of how f- small businesses are reacting to all of this? Well, the smart ones are getting ahead of it, um, just like any other issue they face. They're understanding it, uh, understanding what their options are, weighing what's best not only for their employees but also their business, uh, because from a penalty and or tax uh, situation, there there is a big impact there, and they're putting plans in place to decide which they, way they want to go. I think for most small businesses, it's going to boil down to three options. Right? Do I not offer coverage next year? And that's really a determination as to whether you're a large, whether you're a uh, a large employer or not. Whether you're a 50 full-time equivalents uh, or less. And then if you are going to offer coverage, are you going to offer group coverage or are you going to help facilitate some type of individual coverage, either through, say, a defined contribution where you give your employees a specific amount of money and then allow them to purchase their own plan uh, through an exchange like ours. So all of those present different risks. I mean, imagine if you sat down with an employee and you said, hey, I'm switching your insurance, and don't worry, I'm just going to give you a set of money and the decision's all on you. Right? That might provide a lot of flexibility, but without the right support, uh, guidance, uh, time for the employee to understand their choices and software, uh, that's a pretty scary proposition. Um, so I would encourage small businesses to try to make that determination in the next few months and then roll it out over a period of time because nobody likes, uh, no employee likes something sprung on them uh, without the appropriate amount of, of time to consider their options. Well, do you think that the, uh, um, the troubles uh, with the exchanges, the federal and the state, uh, is making employees even more um, uh, uh, resistant to that that option of going out and buying on their own? Uh, it will. It's easy to counteract. I mean, when we talk to people today, uh, we're the only private entity that's enrolling uh, consumers in subsidized health plans. Um, we're contracted with the government. So we talk to a lot of people that are skittish about their experience on healthcare.gov uh, but are happy about the experience we can provide. Even in the group market, our surveys show the same thing. A lot of people that are in the group market are saying, well, I'm not really sure because I I heard that the whole insurance thing is broken or it's not working right now. So that's absolutely something to overcome. But like any challenge for an employer, you just need to present your employees with a a good solution with a clear level of of explanation on what their choices are um, and then show them how uh, it benefits them. I mean, at the end of the day, if it's not benefiting the employee, it's going to be hard to roll out any change, uh, whether you're a small business or a large business. Uh, Robin, um, seven, uh, I read a statistic that 70% of all health care um, buying decisions are done by uh, females. Um, uh, what's your take on all of this? Well, I mean, I I definitely agree uh, with the thought that, um, you know, it's really important to take what you have and what you're faced with and make decisions from there. You know, I think 
the companies that do the best are those who are flexible, who um, you know, have a plan in place and are able to take into account, you know, some of these changes that are taking place and, um, you know, really look at opportunities that, you know, are out there, um, you know, even though there are, you know, clearly um, some challenges. Well, um, I, uh, something just came across my desk from IBM, um, which said that in five years, small businesses um, will will – uh, be taking on and beating the online merchants because they have the personal touch. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in the five predictions that IBM makes at the end of each year. Um, anybody, uh, I'm sw- switching gears here, but anybody want to talk about what are the advantages small businesses have in 2014? This, this is Ty. You know, I think small businesses have advantages every year, not just 2014. There is something about being close to the community and nimble and able to make changes and adjustments quickly. They probably have the the best connection with their customers. Um, they're they're motivated every day because of the nature of running a small business to produce products that resonate with the market. There's there's lots of advantages that small businesses have. Mark, you're the yeah, go. I, go ahead. No, I was Ooh. just going to say I sure concur with Ty. This is Bill Cohen again. Uh, you know, there are always advantages and always disadvantages, and small businesses have a lot. And as he said, you can... Uh, you can move very quickly. You you understand who your customer is. You can switch. You can quickly switch uh, areas of uh, interest if you have to. You can try out new ideas. You can do all kinds of things that large businesses take forever to accomplish. I was, you know, as a uh, as a new school, we are relatively small. I mean, we only have uh, we have got about 30 professors, but we only have uh, five administrators total. And uh, and by the way, uh, Robin, our vice president, is is female, and also two of three directors are are female. But anyhow, <laughs> you can you can move very quickly. We can out, we can outdo other universities right now, and are doing that simply because we can do things that they can't, and do things a lot quicker. There is some. It's interesting to see that sometimes they'll copy something that we do, and it takes months for them to get the thing done, where we can make a decision in one hour. So. I, I think that uh, I, I think that Ty is absolutely correct. I think that uh, you can. Uh, there are real advantages not only in 2014, and not only in these maybe challenging times, but at all times, and uh, we look for those. M- uh, Mark, you want yeah. to say uh, you're a growth expert? What do you think? Well, there's one uh, pretty major development that, that's coming along for promotion advertising. Um, there's a company called the Rubicon Project, uh, which was founded in 2007, and it uh, basically it's a platform for buying and selling digital ads, uh, and they have a tremendous amount of data available to them, tremendous amounts of uh, psychographic and geographic information that allows you to slice and dice uh, the targets. So for small business, this is a place that they can go find ads and and run the ads. This is uh, just to give you an idea of the size and scope of this thing. It went from a dead start once again in 2007. Um, They now process six times the volume of stock trades on the NASDAQ uh, in terms of ad ad bids. 
that translates into six billion ad trades a day and 180 billion ad trades a month and three trillion bid requests a month. So that kind of specificity, that size, uh, the kind of volume that they've got, and the costs that are associated with the way that they run the business is going to allow a lot of small businesses more flexibility to target their prospects. Well, that's a, I deliberately left an um, a, a online or social person off of this panel because uh, uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of noise out there and a, a lot of it. But in today's Wall Street Journal, the columnist said, that mobile advertising will be the uh, will come of age in 2014, and our studies show that uh, 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 many small businesses are just afraid of it. Um, does anybody want to comment on that? As a layman, oh, Don, you know I, this is. Go, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, this is Mark Lou again. I, I was just going to say an awful lot of the advertising that relates to phones and cellular relates to local because the couponing, the discounting, all of the uh, all of the kind of promotional aspects that can be given are going to be tied to uh, the GPS side of the phone so that you're going to be walking down a shop or you're going to uh, walking in a shopping area and it's going to say, hey, there's a coupon in this in this bar or in this uh, store for a certain kind of thing that you're looking for. Uh, local local merchants and small businesses are going to be able to customize advertising to their local geographic area, and that's going to be a big plus for them because where you go and where you are, you're going to be getting advertising for exactly where you are on site, uh, which for buyer preference is going to be a big plus. That frightens me. Uh, uh, <laughs> I have a, uh, an iPhone. And I only use it for phones, but but then again, uh, uh, I'm somewhat of a dinosaur. Anybody else want to follow up on that? Sure, it's Michael Mahoney from Go Health. Uh, my background is online advertising, but we're we're a large advertiser. We spend millions and millions with, I mean, just Google alone every month. But what I've been able to see in terms of small businesses is that these interfaces are getting so much friendlier uh, from the. In addition to the company that was mentioned, I mean, even take somebody like Google or Yahoo, uh, you know, the MSN Ad Center platform uh, Groupon. I've seen a lot of small businesses be able to log in and get ads up and running in minutes, and that's not just the marketing company these companies are sending out. What they've realized is that there are only so many large businesses out there, so in order to grow their ad spend, they need to reach out to small businesses, and small businesses need, inter need interfaces that are easy to use. So I think over the last couple of years, they've been doing that. So for a small business to be able to reach out and touch consumers, I think next year it's going to be even easier than it is this year to get ads up and running, configure them, and also keep tabs on how much you're spending. I pretty much agree with everything that's been said, but let's go one step further. If your customer base is um, the millennial generation and you're not on, a, and you're not on mobile advertising, you run the risk of becoming irrelevant in the future. I would agree. And I would even expand that to say, if your customer base uh, is humans <laughs> and you're not in mobile, uh, you're yeah. at risk. So we all agree that uh, uh, in 2014, um, small businesses have to embrace the, mo the mobile uh, world. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, you bet. 
Well, that's that's one good thing. Uh, let's move. Let's uh, talk about millenniums, and let's talk about um, uh, managing staff. Uh, last three years, I've seen many stories come across my desk about the need for somehow managing a multi-generational staff. Does anybody want to comment uh, on what, what that's going to mean in the future? Yeah, I, I know, guess I I'll can... take that since my background is in the leadership area. You mentioned the fact that I was president of the Institute of Leader Arts, but that's uh, been incorporated as a subdivision of, of the university. But in any case, yeah, you know, leadership and and management, for one thing, you know, I won't go into the differences about what they've said about these or anything like that. Well, just for the time being, imagine they're the same. But frankly, they haven't changed in 2,000 years. The basics have not changed. I mean, you hear a lot, for example, about servant leadership and things like this, about how to, you know, as far as dealing with people. That hasn't changed any. You know, Drucker's favorite book was a book by Xenophon. He said it was the first systematic book on leadership, and it was written 2,300 years ago. Now, I certainly didn't read it in its original Greek, but in the translations, and there have been many into English, he took uh, um, Cyrus the Great as a metaphor, and, and he talked about things like, how Cyrus the Great was tra- was trained by his father to be eventually, you know, the great. And when he was a young man, Cyrus's father said, uh, you know, how do you how do you what's the best way to get people to obey? And the young, you know, teenager said, well, father, it's to punish those that disobey and reward those that don't, uh, or reward those that do. And his father said, well, that might work in some cases, but that won't work when you're in battle or anything like that. That's just not enough then. And he said, what's the way? And he says, the way is to treat your people better and look after them better than they could possibly look out for themselves and, and, and put their interests above your own. Well, geez, what is that but servant leadership? I mean, you know, Drucker said, for example, that everybody, she should treat all your your employees, the best way to manage them is treat them as volunteers. Because even in bad times, by the way, they may work just for the money when they have to, but as soon as things change, they'll leave you. People work, you should treat everyone as a volunteer. So I don't think things have changed drastically, but I think that we do have to consider, and I, I know a couple of the others on the panel are also involved in leadership, and I, I, I'd be interested in knowing their experiences along these lines. Yeah, this is Robin. I mean, we have worked with a number of larger organizations around, um, you know, the benefits and the opportunities in the uh, employment of millennials. And I will say that, you know, from my perspective, a small business owner actually um, could really benefit from the, you know, the culture of millennials, which is all about you know, their desire to have flexibility. You know, they're an impatient generation, so, you know, they really want challenges. They, you know, they want the opportunity to grow, uh, and they don't want to wait for it. So, um, to me, that's a great match for people um, who are running small businesses and are looking for people who are going to, you know, kind of grab the bull by the horns and, and, and look for ways to expand. They also want to be able to, um, again, have that flexibility. So if you're not willing to, you know, figure out ways that 
you know, they can have a flexible work schedule or ways that they can blend their passions with the work that they do. You know, I mean, we, we have organiz- small organizations that allow their, their, their uh, employees to bring their pets um, to, to work and things like that or to, you know, leave and be able to um, focus on their passions. Those are the ways that you'll attract and build your, your, uh, your, your business through millennials. Yeah, I, I, I can really second that, Robin. You know, the, we have a guy on our board named Bill Bartman, and Bartman at one point was the 32nd wealthiest guy in the, in the United States, starting his own business, by the way. Mm. He was right ahead of Ross Perot. And wow. I remember an, order, an article in Forbes magazine in which it said that he had the largest daycare center in the world, period, because he took care of, you know, he took care of his people. And these were the millennials. They were, these were everybody, but he took, he took care of the children. He took care of the parents. And once a year, they would go on a major vacation across the country, and he would pay for the whole thing. They'd all go together. Interesting, huh? Yeah, great. Anybody else? Uh, Mike, let me ask you. Um, uh, these changes in the health care, um, people hate change. Um, is, is this going to – and also, younger people think they're immortal and really don't think they need health care. Um, what's your take on all of this? Uh, well, there's there's two kind of things in there. The uh, we're not going to be able to change the mentality of young people. <laughs> As somebody that's almost at the age that I'm graduating from that bucket, uh, if if you don't think things are going to happen to you and you don't uh, want to uh, take precautions, whether or not healthcare impacts you, whether or not financial planning impacts you, whether or not you know, a savings account impacts you, we're not going to be able to change the mentality of young folks. Um, however, uh, small businesses need to look at, small businesses do need to look at healthcare because as you said, people don't like change and healthcare is one of the few things that people expect out of a business, right? They expect to get a job and they expect to have some type of savings, whether it's a, a pension option, a 401k option, some type of option, and they expect to have some type of health insurance solution. So whether you're a business that's considering do I offer it or whether you're a business that's considering making a change there, you really have to weigh your options carefully and come to the conclusion uh, that you've got to make a change that impacts your employees in a positive way. Because if you're a small business and you're trying to fight fires on multiple fronts, what you don't want to do is make a change to your benefits and have your employees see that as a negative thing uh, because they might be looking at their employment in addition to their paycheck they're looking at their benefits and they're considering health insurance, even if it's just you uh, contributing to their own individual health insurance and it's not a group policy, they see that as a benefit. So that change needs to be rolled out in a clear way and in a way where you're communicating the benefit to the employee. Anybody else want to, Ty, do you have any thoughts? You know, I think that uh, the millennials have definitely changed the way we interact with with, um, our our younger employees. I remember 30-some-odd years ago when I entered the workforce, probably probably not dissimilar to a lot of you guys, I did what I was told to do because I was told to do it. And um, the millennial generation are the generation of my children. And we've taught them to ask questions. We've taught them not to accept um, anybody based upon a title. And we've, we've created a generation that is thinking and reacting differently to the world than what we did 
because we helped them get there. And I think that, you know, as was mentioned, I think this is a good place for the workplace because I didn't like command and control management philosophy when I entered the workforce and the, the younger generation that I've managed over the last several years, they just won't respond to it. So I, I, think, it's, I think it's a good thing, but it's, it's different. If you're, uh, if you're 60 years old and you want to manage the same way you were, you were likely managing 40, 50 years ago, it's, it's just not going to work. And one, one note on that, when you're talking about millennials, uh, the attitude is it is much less of a, you know, I, the company deserves a lot of respect from me as opposed to the employee coming in and saying, well, what is the company doing to earn my respect? And with that regard, Absolutely. It, it, touches, it touches on benefits too, right? I've, I'm sure all of us and those listening have heard stories of people saying, you know what, I'm, I don't love my job, but the benefits are great, and i got growing kids, and they're going to be in college soon, so I'm not really going to consider leaving. The one thing that touches all businesses that offer health insurance or are deciding should they or should they not offer health insurance in 2014 is that in the past, if you offered it, a lot of employees would consider that a core benefit and that would be a reason not to leave. In a new environment where uh, there is no more uh, underwriting per se and people cannot be declined and they, affordability or not aside, <laughs> they do have access to purchase health insurance, that's one less reason to stick with a company. Right? So yeah. employers need to consider that. You know, people, people, young people, old people, anybody, they want to they they want to create value they want to they want to contribute to something bigger than themselves they want to do something meaningful and if we can't create those types of environments we're we're just we're going to lose people we're going to we're we're going to see our best employees leave to go down the street because it's that's what really motivates people everything else is important but what really motivates people is Am I doing something worthwhile and meaningful that I can relate to? And the people appreciate it. Hey, Don, yes, absolutely. And, uh, Don? Um, I, yes, yeah, Mark, uh, a lot of the work that I did in the past has been uh, in turnaround for small companies. And um, the, key, the key in a situation like that is to, to find the best players uh, to build a team, to organize everyone so that they know what their responsibilities are, and then to compensate them with the goals of the corporation. And um, that team is going to get, it, it, it's, it's the core to the flexibility to make quick changes. It's the key to coming up with new ideas and solutions based on all the information at the company from everybody participating. Uh, and more and more we're in a world that is changing so tremendously technologically and in terms of uh, uh, organizational capabilities and computer robotic capabilities that having a team that's with you, uh, that you can depend on and that will stay with you, the, the employees are going to become more and more valuable over time in a business that's being built today, um, even more so than in the past because there's just too much change to absorb, any one person to absorb, the other people in the organization have to help absorb it and have to help deal with it. So I, I think that anything that can be done, that, that whole sense of family and the whole sense of uh, growing together, kind of mutual respect and all that type of thing, uh, plus performance and, and achievement, it all goes to building very strong businesses in the future, and that's a positive. 
uh, I think. It may be slightly less jobs, but it's going to be better jobs for everyone and a better working environment over time. I saw a frightening statistic um, from another survey that said 43% of uh, the small businesses, these were under 100 employees, had been forced to downsize uh, at, uh, at least five or more people in the last four years. Um, uh, that left a certain uh, sense of, uh, uh, um, how should we say, uh, inability, uh, people fear, fearing for their jobs. Do you think that uh, that will change in, in, in the coming year? Does anybody want to address that question? Don, Mark again. Um, we had an economy that was a fraudulent economy. It was pumped up by at least 25% with a lot of junk debt, uh, a lot of bad credit practices, mortgage practices, so that there was a huge amount of excess um, everything out there. It wasn't a real economy, and it deflated. And there's no way to protect uh, corporations and businesses and jobs against that kind of situation. But a lot of that wind has been taken out of the sails, and now we're working on the other side of it. It's going to be a lot more stable and hopefully uh, slower, slower growing, but at least positive growth and not, not that huge drop-off like we just saw. You yeah, know, I, I guess I'll mention something about this also. I, had a, I, I did a study some years ago during the last recession about companies that did major layoffs. And what was acceptable, and you, sometimes you don't have a chance, whether you're a small company or a small business or a large company, you really don't have much choice whether you want to go under or not. But it's accepted, it seems to me, or from the study that I did, when everyone knows that it's done fairly. I remember one president of a company that he took the first cut in pay, and he took the biggest cut. He took over 50%, and he insisted all his, his uh, senior staff take major cuts and on down to the junior people. And he was able to get through the recession for three years when similar companies were laying off and had all kinds of problems. He didn't lay off anybody, not one. And now he got around it by people cutting down to three-day work weeks and very did everything possible. But the important thing, I think, about it was everyone knew they were on the same team, and everyone knew that he was taking the biggest cuts and would continue to do so, and he would protect them, if at all possible, under all circumstances. And uh, in his, uh, obviously the productivity of that organization was really great and was even better when they came out of the recession. That's a great example. Somebody else wanted to say something. You know, the, fin the financial system is kind of stacked against small business. The Cleveland Federal Reserve came out a couple months ago and said that credit, for example, is easing everywhere except for the smallest small business owners. They, they don't have access to the money that they, they did, say, 10 years ago. And, and if there's... And, and we grow with, with capital, whether it's equity, whether it's um, debt. It, with, if, we, if we shut off the, the capital supply to small business, it's going to continue to be a challenge. The, the National Federation of Independent Businesses came out last week and said that optimism is up, but only a little bit. It's like, it's like not up. 
it's they're they're still looking down the road at at the at the future and they're concerned and I think part of it is because the the bickering that's going on in Washington has everybody nervous what's going to happen you know between Obamacare and and access to capital there are there are huge concerns and because there is no resolution everybody is unsure Hey Don, there's one other one other point in terms of the capital structure. Uh, for the really small businesses, the um, one of the largest sources for capital used to be credit cards. People used to borrow on their credit cards, and I forget the statistics, but it was something huge, like 30% of really small companies were started just on people just on people's uh, credit cards. And uh, right now, with credit card rates being anywhere from 20 to 30%, and fees and all kinds of penalties. Uh, if, if you ever miss a payment, uh, you know that that is just gone as a source, and that was an enormous source. Uh, so some of the comments that they were saying about finding alternative so, alternative sources for that kind of money is is absolutely correct, and uh, the ability to fund some of the future growth is going to be a real question. You know, last quarter Pepperdine came out with their private ac- capital access survey. of small business owners that they surveyed get the capital they need right now from uh, friends and family. And only 34% of the people that were surveyed said that they they were able to meet their capital needs. That's a frightening statistic. That's frightening. And and uh, what I'm hearing is that we don't think that's going to ease that much in 2014. You know, over the last couple of years, um, a lot of specialty, non-bank lenders have entered the market, specifically gearing financial products for small business owners. And I think that's helping. And and there are more lenders today than there were a couple of years ago. And I think that, I think we're going to see a shift in how in how small businesses get financing, and I think that it's going to be geared towards these alternative financing um, types like, for example, uh, a merchant cash advance loan, um, factoring your AR, um, specialty equipment financing, those kinds of things. And I I think that we're going to see that change become an even bigger part of the small small business financing market because the very few small business owners today are able to go into the bank and get a small business loan. Um, an, uh, an inter- another interesting um, uh, highlight to this is the fact that competition is also increasing. More people are going into small businesses, uh, con- uh, one-man consulting firms or one-woman consulting firms, um, uh, and, and it's easier to start a, a company today because the infrastructure is available from the cloud, so you don't have, need the equipment, et cetera. Uh, anybody want to comment on that? Well, that was a poor question, so I'll go on to the <laughs> next one. Um, uh, Robin, um, uh, you're a woman expert uh, today. Um, uh, let me go back to leadership for one um, uh, for one minute and talk about: sure. Is it easier for women to be leaders today than five years ago? 
Hmm. That's a really good question. Um, I don't think it's easier for women to be um, leaders today than five years ago. I think um, there are um, new challenges to be faced because, you know, we talked about some of the things. Uh, you know, if you think about uh, skills such as the ability to use social media in your small business, if you think about um, the need to connect locally with your with your customer to really understand your client so that you give them the experience that they want. I think from a small business perspective, you know whether you're a man or a woman, it really requires you to be willing to grow yourself. So you know how can you be the best leader that you can be in 2014, and what's going to make you more effective? You know, if there's a, a, a great book, um, What Got You Here Won't Get You There, and I think that's very true for, 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 for small business owners that, you know, obviously you didn't become a small business owner because you played it safe or, you know, you weren't willing to, to, to make a leap of faith. Uh, but now that you are here and you are facing additional competition and, and you see the changing face of your market, what do you need to do now, and what's the skill that you need in order to push your business to the place that it needs to be? Well, we're coming up to the close, almost the close of the hour, so uh, we're going to start with Bill. Uh, what do you think is the um, greatest opportunity for small business today uh, in the coming year? And uh, what are your the last thoughts? Well, I... I think that whenever there are challenges like we're facing nowadays, the greatest opportunity is in two areas, and we've hit on all of them really in our, in our talk over the last hours. One of them is marketing, that is finding new ways of marketing, whether it's with the new social media or getting to our markets when it's a, a different generation or a different culture. And the other is innovation, that is finding new ways and different ways to do that. And, and again, I have to, I know you're probably talk, tired of me talking about Drucker, but since that's the title of my book, too, The Practical You know drugs, I love them. You know, <laughs> that, you know, really, that's the two things that he said were the basic elements of any business. That is innovation and marketing. And if we can, if we can handle both of those areas, if we can find the way. Now, that isn't easy, you know, especially under the challenges that we're facing today. I, I think that we will, we will come through this thing and be successful. Ty? You know, I think that uh, we have a real opportunity as small business owners to say today, next time, this time next year, I am going to be in a better place. And there are lots of opportunities to capture market share. There's lots of opportunities to expand your business. I think that it's really easy to get bogged down in the negative news and all that kind of stuff. I think we have an opportunity to actually make a difference and say, I'm going to hire people, I'm going to grow my business, and I'm going to sell the products to my, to my customers that they want and, and just go forward. Mike? So I, I know I'm supposed to answer this from the health insurance perspective, but from a, <laughs> as a software company, as somebody that's lived and breathed software for 10 years, I mean, the answer for me always comes down to, to software. From the, and I take you back on the innovation comment. You know, in the past, it was how can small business act more like big business? Now what we're seeing is big businesses looking at small businesses and saying, I want to be nimble and I want to be innovative and I want to act more like them. 
So I think small businesses have a leg up as long as they continue to uh, embrace uh, that innovation, especially software and technology. I mean, if you want to know what big businesses are doing, it's online. You know, if you want to get a business set up and running tomorrow, grab a Google Voice number. It's free. Set up a Google Places. Set up a free website. I mean, it costs you very little. Uh, so I think small businesses really do have a leg up versus big businesses compared to what they had uh, a few years ago or even last year. That's a great comment. Uh, Robin? Yeah, I, I agree with everything that's been said, you know, particularly the marketing and the innovation. I would say in addition to that, there's uh, you know, one opportunity is to really focus on your people. You know, you have your team in place. Uh, it may be growing. It may be, um, you know, smaller than it was uh, before. But how do you really make the most and, um, you know, leverage the team that you have? You know, what are the things that they're bringing to the table that maybe you're not taking advantage of? So I think in 2014, being able to take a step back and really focus on your people will give you the opportunity to, to, to succeed. Mark, you get the, the, the last comment. Well, I think this plays off of almost all the other comments that were made, and that is that one of the biggest benefits that we've gotten um, out of the communication systems and all the technology is the ability to communicate and, and specifically for small companies to communicate with each other and build platforms where they can become partners and optimize the talent that each specific company has where, whereby an individual can find somebody who's a specialist in marketing, finance, manufacturing, international affairs, people skills, whatever it may be that they need to build their business at whatever point in the business development cycle they are, um, where they can optimize and get the highest talent if they're careful about it, uh, and, and build, build a structure that's a, that's a very substantial, very well-trained structure uh, almost from the ground up, and, uh, and then to build an employee staff behind that that supports that effort and supports the communication. So I think that's where there's going to be a lot of uh, opportunity in the future. Okay, Mark, you can. Uh, uh, I'm going to go back through uh, each of you. Tell, tell our audience a little bit about you, yourself and your company. Um, well, I'm a I'm a partner, a managing partner in Growth Solutions LLC now. Growth Solutions now LLC. Uh, it's a marketing company and it's a uh, operation support company for small businesses. Uh, our goal is to help and identify growth opportunities, uh, growth situations, and then implement the changes necessary um, to execute those uh, opportunities. Uh, Robin? Yep, uh, I'm a principal with Chatsworth Consulting Group, and we focus on leadership development and uh, executive coaching. So our work with small business owners is to really um, support them in how to grow their businesses and how to develop themselves as the strongest leaders that they can be. Um, uh, Mike? Uh, Michael Mahoney with Go Health. Um, we kind of view ourselves as a small business, started with a few thousand dollars in a carriage house without uh, much of a business plan, um, but now we're a health insurance technology platform that helps consumers enroll, and the only private entity that's currently able to enroll consumers in subsidy-eligible uh, plans through the federal exchange. Wow. A tie? 
You know, I'm, this is Ty from Lendio, and uh, as a result of being here and working with small business owners every day, I've, I've just published a book, Getting a Business Loan, Financing Your Main Street Business. You can get it at Amazon and everywhere else, but uh, that's what I do is we, we are trying to help small business owners live the American dream. And finally, Billy, you've got the opening word and the, and the closing word. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Yeah, I'm, I'm uh, Bill Cohen, the president of, of the California Institute of Advanced Management. We teach, we offer only one degree, MBA, an MBA in executive management and entrepreneurship. Uh, half of our students are entrepreneurs, have their own companies. And we, through hands-on and following Drucker's methods, we have teach them hands-on with consulting and other methodologies, as well as uh, we are, uh, we've, we've hired the professors from all the top universities, Harvard, Yale, Princeton, MIT, and so forth, and so they Skype into the classrooms to help, or to help them as well. So anyway, we're, we're trying to help uh, executives and, and, um, uh, and small business owners with their, uh, with their leadership and with their development and getting their MBA. You didn't mention your book, The Practical Drucker, oh, yeah. which is still on my I'm desk sorry, yeah. I'm right well, here. I thought I'd mentioned Drucker's name so many times. One more time, there, everybody else would kill me. But, yes, <laughs> this is my fourth Drucker book, and it's called The Practical Drucker. And, uh, yeah, and you can it's available everywhere. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thanks. Well, Thanks thank, well, thank you all for what I think was a very illuminating uh, hour as we entered 2014. Uh, wish you all a happy new year, and uh, let's hope it's pro- as prosperous as we uh, we want it to be. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank you, Don. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, for uh, Small Business Digest Radio, this is Don Mazzella. We'll be back next week in the new in the new year, talking about uh, the subjects you want to hear. Thank you and goodbye.